Amen. Somebody say amen. You know, it's a, it's a blessing uh, to be in the Lord's house today. It's a blessing uh, to hear our, our guest speaker. And hopefully um, after today, he may not be a guest speaker. He may be like family. So um, this morning, I want to introduce to you um, officially uh, Braden Tanner. Uh, he comes uh, to us from Stephenville area. And uh, he's a graduate of Tarleton State University. And um, we are uh, looking at him today um, for the opportunity to uh, be our uh, college university minister. And um, I know um, Corey and Crystal Stewart have done a good job of pioneering a work here and um, getting things uh, off on the right foot and a, a nice, strong foundation. Uh, while we were sad to see them uh, go to... Amarillo. Um, it's a, a blessing uh, that uh, God is providing uh, for our need here. And um, I would just ask you to prayerfully listen and consider um, uh, what the words that uh, Braden is sharing with us. And um, just uh, ask the Holy Spirit to discern in your heart um, whether he is a good fit. I know that um, uh, after looking at him, I'm very uh, delighted that he wants to be here, and uh, we want him and Caroline, his beautiful wife, to, to come and serve here with us, and um, I think it'll be a, a great asset to our church. But uh, you come prayerfully listening uh, to Braden as he comes and brings the word. Thanks, Pastor Ridge. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, good morning, y'all. <laughs> um, it's about a year and a half ago I stood up here and delivered my first sermon, um, so it, it's cool to be back here um, now with, with this as the potential place that, that we'll call family um, here soon. Um, a lot's changed since, since then. Um, I stood up here and I was recently engaged. Um, I, I had long hair, and uh, I had just lost a granddad, um, and so I stand up here today, and now I'm, I'm married, um, which is exciting, and expecting um, our, our first child as well, um, and, uh, and now my parents are going to be grandparents, so... Um, twice in in the matter of of three months with Kyle and Macy expecting as well so um so it's cool to come come and stand back up here and in this opportunity to um to deliver the word um with y'all uh so so I stand here humbly um before y'all as well um and and everyone that we've met has been so welcoming um and, and we love y'all already um, especially the way that, that y'all have loved on us um, and my brother and sister-in-law as well. Um, so, so with that said, we're going to open up and we're going to start in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, if y'all will turn there. Um, and, and kind of with that setup um, of kind of this life change that I've gone through, um, when Ridge asked me to preach a couple weeks ago after coming and visiting the personnel committee, um, something that's been on my heart recently as, as we've been 
um, expecting. Our first is, uh, how, how do I father this child that, that's now going to be in the world nine months from uh, conception? So what am I to do now? And so I start reading um, of who God says this child is, um, what God's ordained this child to be, uh, and, and all these things. So I'm starting to look, and I find it so fascinating that God says that he knows us before we're ever even a thought. Um, and so that's just something that I've gone back to, is, is the fact that God knows us before anybody else knows us, um, and, and just how intimate that is. And so we're going to read in Ephesians 2, and we'll be flipping around a lot. So I encourage you to write down um, some of the passage that I give to you. Um, but I want you to really listen um, today and really think and consider um, this passage um, and the, these other passages as well. So I'm going to start in Ephesians 2, and I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 10. So follow along. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at once, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead and in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that for the coming ages he might show his, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no man can boast." And here in verse 10 is where we're going we're, we're gonna to camp out. So I want you all to listen to this. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so we're going to break that passage down. We'll end up coming back to, to some of the rest of Ephesians, um, that, the passage that we just read. But I want to camp out on that verse, and I want to kind of break it down in about three questions. He kind of breaks it up for us already he says, for we are God's handiwork. And then he says, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And then he says that with those were prepared for us in advance um, to do. And so uh, my first question that I want to kind of, kind of bring up out of this passage and kind of work through is, do I actually believe that I'm God's handiwork? Do I really believe that? And so when I started looking at that and I, and I read that word, um, I looked up the definition of it, the Webster definition, and it says uh, handiwork means making something by hand or work done personally. And so I started thinking when I saw handiwork and that it means something made by hand and, and something done personally, automatically I go back to creation. And so I, I look at Genesis and I want you all to go with me to Genesis 2 real quick and look at some passages that, that really bring this to life, that really make this passage, this thing that, that Paul brings up in Ephesians and says that we're God's handiwork, and see where it happens in the very beginning. 
If you all go to Genesis 2, and I'm going to be reading verses 5, and se- 5 through 7, and then 20 through 22. 5 through 7, it says, Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Verse 7, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Then we go over to, to verse 20. It says, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. For Adam, But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. I start looking at that passage and I look at that definition and see that the handiwork is made by hand. And so I go over and, and I look at Genesis 1. And you start reading and it says, And God said, and God said, or and God spoke, and God spoke, and things start coming to be. And so we start with nothing and he's speaking. And this earth is just coming up with bodies of water, masses of land, animals, all these things. And then just halts. And it says that he scoops up dust, and he forms us with that. So all this thing that, while very intricate, is just popping up as he speaks, and we see that power in him. He stops and so intimately picks up ground and forms it, and so personally. And that definition says something made by hand, something made personally, and we see that in creation of us. And so I start looking at this, this child that we're going to have. And God's doing that. He's forming that child. That's one of those wow moments when you sit there and think about that. That all these other things, while so beautiful, and I'll be the first to, to be amazed by a mountain or a, a body of water. And I think they're so incredible and so majestic. But there's nothing as intimate and personal as mankind. And, and we'll read in a little bit that not only are we just shaped and formed, um, but, but we go to the second part of Ephesians 2 that says that we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so the second question I have is, Do I believe I'm created in Christ Jesus in that image? And so we go to Genesis 1. So just flip back with me a page. And read verses 26 and 27 with me. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, in the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
Now, I don't know that, that we're going to go to heaven one day and that we're going to look at God and he's going to look like us, maybe physically. But I find it so incredible that when he scoops down and he picks up that dust and he forms us intimately, that he gives us an image bearing of himself, of some sort. Um, maybe it's not physically, but there's something about us that resembles God. Um, and if you start reading scripture, you begin to figure out what that is. Um, and and the, the soul and the spirit that's inside of us, um, that, that he's created us in his image and he's given us some of his characteristics. Um, that's pretty incredible. Nothing else in all of creation bears his image like mankind does. So we're intimately and personally made, and we bear the image of this creator. And so I've kind of come up with a game for you all. Does anybody watch Fixer Upper in here? I know we've got to have some Fixer Upper. We're too close to Waco not to. Um, so, so I kind of want to play a game with you all because I imagine that when you all think of Chip and Joanna Gaines, that you all kind of have a mental image of some of their work. Am I correct? You can kind of think about what their, what their style is, I guess. So we're going to play a little game called Fixer Upper or Not. I came up with, with it myself. Um, and, and it's very simple, and I want you all to respond. There's a picture that's going to pop up. It's going to be A and B. One picture is a Fixer Upper image. One is not. And I want you all to, to just shout out A or B and the next slide will we'll show you if you're right, okay? So go ahead and flip up the first one. Which one's the fixer-upper home? A? Let's see if y'all got it right. Correct. All right, go to the next image. A or B? B. There we go, B. Let's go to the third image. A or B? Y'all aren't very confident in this. A or B? B. All right. Next image. A or B? B? A? We've got a couple A's, a couple B's. B's the correct one. All right. The next one, I believe this is, we got two more. A or B? A? All right. And last one. A or B? B. See if you got it correct. You did. Well done. So I started looking, and it's almost hard to find an image that doesn't look like something they've done. They have completely changed the house industry um, style of homes. They've completely changed that. So I Google search homes, and everything that comes up looks like Chip and Joanne at Gaines. And so it was kind of difficult to find pictures that weren't theirs. Um, but I'd say that y'all did pretty well. And so I think y'all would agree with me that when we think of Chip and, Chip and Joanna Gaines, we think of a very specific style, correct? We think of um, book in, books for decorating. Um, we think of shiplap. Um, we think of all these things, and it's their characteristic. It's who they are when they imprint themselves on a home. And I started thinking about that, 
And I look at this and we're God's handiwork and we're created in his image. But when people think about us, when our name's mentioned, when they hear us speak, do we bear the image of Christ? And Ridge talked about this earlier that when people come in here, come into um, our Sunday school classes, what are they going to find? Because when I think of Chip and Joanna Gaines, I have a, a very specific image that pops up immediately. But when someone thinks of Braden Tanner, do they think of Jesus Christ immediately? When they think of anyone in here and your name's heard, do they think of Jesus Christ immediately? Because if we bear his image and we're created so personally and intimately, we should. But that's not always the case. So in the last part he says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he's given us a purpose. He's created us intimately and personally and in his image and he's given us a purpose. So the last question is, do I believe I was created for a purpose which God prepared in advance for us to do? See, all these things I say, do I believe, and I'm hoping you're asking yourself these questions because if we don't actually believe this, if we don't actually believe that he created us personally and intimately, we don't actually believe that he created us in his image, then we can't fulfill the purpose because we have to start there. We have to start by understanding that creator God who made everything made us intimately and personally and in his image for a purpose, for a reason. And so I hope you're asking yourself this, and I want to flip to, to Jeremiah real quick. Jeremiah 1, if you all want to follow me there. In Jeremiah 1, this is, this is where um, God's calling Jeremiah as a prophet. So keep that in mind as we're reading this passage. And we're going to kind of skip around a little bit because um, there's specific parts that I want you to see. Um, so we're going to start in verse 4 and read through 5 and then kind of break it up and then read 6 through 10. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. See, God said that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you ever thought to anybody else, to your mom and dad, I knew you. And he says that I set you apart. And we read that in Genesis as well. That, that when he scoops down and forms us, he does something different to us that he doesn't do with any of the rest of his creation. And that therefore sets us apart from everything else. So we see that it's not just Jeremiah that's been set apart from the beginning. And then we read in Ephesians 2, and it says that he's prepared good works for us to do in advance. So we know that applies to us as well, that we've been set apart for a purpose before we were known by anybody else. 
So it's not just this prophet that, that we read in Scripture and we think, well, he's different than us. Um, and, and we read in James 5 and he talks about um, Elijah and he says that Elijah's a man just like us. So all these characters that we read about, the Moses, the Isaiah, the Jeremiah, the Elijah and Elisha, they're men and women just like us that have been set apart for a purpose. But the difference between them and potentially us is that they believed it. They believed that they were different than all the rest of creation and that they bared the image of Christ of God, their creator, and that he had a purpose for him. And so we go on and we read, and we're about to see that the Jeremiah is not all that special and different than us, because look at what he says in verse 6. He says, Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to, And say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And so God himself comes to Jeremiah And said, I've set you apart for this. I knew you before you were born. I've set you apart for this specific purpose to be a prophet. And Jeremiah's first words out of his mouth was, God, I'm too young. I don't know how to speak. And so it takes Jeremiah a little while to understand. And if you continue to read, God kind of puts the fear of God in him a little bit and says, if you don't go do this, I will give you something to be scared about. Um, And so... uh, I think we do the same thing. In our head, we know that we're different than the rest of creation, that we've been set apart, that we're created in his image. But we have a thousand excuses. I'm too busy. Um, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have all these things. Um, Or I can't speak. I'm scared to get up there. And God says, I created you. And I've heard that when you, when you put yourself down or something that, that maybe you think you're not good at, like Jeremiah putting down that, I'm too young, I can't speak. You're not, you're not being humble, but you're being arrogant because you didn't create yourself. God created you. And so it'd be humble if he said that. But for us to say that, God, you messed up and you didn't give me um, a good voice or a talent to to play an instrument or um, to speak is kind of comical because he created us and knows us better than we even know ourselves. And he says he set us apart for a purpose. And I love this part that when Jeremiah is worried about that, God comes down, he touches his mouth and says, I've given you the words to say. And from there on, Jeremiah goes on to to be a prophet to the nations 
Um, and, and here we have a book thousands of years later um, that, that is because Jeremiah was obedient um, to the word and to what he had been called to do. So we have to answer those, those three questions of do I actually believe um, do I actually believe that, that I'm God's handiwork? Do I believe that I'm created in his image? And do I believe I have a purpose? Because we can't move on past that point. We can't actually live out this purpose until we actually believe those things. And answer that questions in our heart that I actually believe that. So here's the thing. I can, I can stand up here or... Ridge can, or Jeff can, or, or anybody can come and stand up here and show you this, and can show you what the Word of God says we are, and our purpose is, but what we can't do, and what my prayer is, is that the Spirit steps in, we can't make you believe that, and I sure as heck can't make you live out that purpose. But my prayer is, is that the Spirit is showing you through His Word in revealing that in your heart that you are different than the rest of creation. And so if we believe that, just like Chip and Joanna Gates have a specific style that we think about, when someone thinks about us as a believer, as a follower of Christ, immediately when our names dropped or immediately when they see us or hear us speak, we should look like the God that we're created in his image. We should sound like him. And so I start whenever I sit here and think about like, what is my purpose? The beautiful thing is that, that God's given all of us in this room about 90% of the same purpose. If you go and you read the Great Commission in Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. So if you don't know what your purpose is, start there. Because that's one of the last things Jesus left us with when he ascended was to go and make disciples. So if you don't know where to start, start there. And so I go to one of my favorite passages that I've read recently, and I I debated on going to this or not today. Um, But if you'll go with me to 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21... We read in James, or, or I sh- showed you on James, that in James 5.17 it says that, uh, that Elijah is a man just like us. And so this story is about Elijah and Elisha, and it's really the calling of Elisha. Um, Elijah's time as a prophet is coming to an end. 
um, and God's asked him to, to go and um, call Elisha to be the next prophet, to kind of follow him for a little bit and to kind of supersede him. And so in chapter 19, verse 19, it says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Verse 21, so Elisha left him and went back. And listen to this. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. In the last sentence, then he set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. You know, I love that passage for some different reasons. I think it's a great passage of discipleship. And I, I've read that passage, passage several times. And just recently when I read it, um, I noticed something I've never noticed before. And it says that Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And then immediately following, it says Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And I think that's so cool because that, that cloak that he throws around Elisha, one, is the very thing that identifies Elijah as a prophet. And so he takes his identification off and throws it around the, the person that is to, to follow him up. And kind of uh, this picture of, hey, you're going to be the one that's taking the, this job as prophet after I. And so he takes off something so important, so identifying, and puts it on him. And it, it's so important because that's such a picture of discipleship. We take something important and we give it to somebody else. And there's nothing more important than the gospel. And so then we go, and I, this is the part that, that follows along perfectly with that last question of do we believe that God's given us a purpose? Because if we do, our response should be similar to that of Elisha. It says that Elisha, in the middle of plowing the field, Elijah comes up and throws his cloak on him. He follows after him. And when he figures out that he's supposed to be the next prophet, he goes back and he burns the plows, kills the oxen, feeds his servants, and then leaves. There's no way he can return um, to the farming life. He takes away any plan B option and says, I'm following God. So do we respond that way? I don't have oxen or a farm to go plow, um, but I have things that I love to do. I have passions and hobbies, but am I willing to give those things up if God's calling me to give those things up solely to follow after him? Am I willing to give up the high-paying job to follow after God? These are all things that we have to ask ourselves. What are we willing to give up uh, to follow God? And we, we heard in the song, Fully Devoted, it says, no matter what. That's a bold statement for us to make, that no matter what, we're going to follow Christ. And we sing those things every week, but are we willing to actually live them out? 
So I want to go back in closing, and this is, this is kind of the last thing that I want to go to. I want to go back to Ephesians. And after we've thought about all these things, I want to encourage y'all with something. Go to Ephesians 1 for a second. We'll jump back to Ephesians 2. But Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Think about that for a minute. The same power that he's given us is the same power it says he exerted to raise Christ Jesus from the dead and then put him at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms to to seat him on a throne there. It says, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fulfills or fills everything in every way. When you go down to Ephesians 6, it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And so with all those things to consider, um, that, that we're set apart and so different than the rest of creation, and that we're created in his image and that he's given us a purpose. He's also given us the same power that he used to raise up Jesus Christ and seat him in the heavenly realms. He's given that to us. And so all those fears that we have, all those things that maybe we desire or want, he says, I've given you the power to overcome those things. The things that's different about Jeremiah and Elisha that's different for us is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. You read that they had to go and make sacrifices to, to make up for the sins and stuff. Well, God's done that for us. God's made that sacrifice, and now His Spirit lives in us. And so thinking about that power... Thinking about these questions, and I hope you are. If you haven't come to a place where you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you've believed that God sent His Son, who we bear the image of, down to earth to live and then become our one and only sacrifice. It was one and done. We no longer have to go and make sacrifices, but to be our one sacrifice. If you haven't believed that yet, and believed in your heart and accepted him, allowed him to come live inside you so that you can have that power, then none of this, nothing else means anything. That has to happen first. And then as you start reading his word, which is so cool because this is the word of God. Think about how powerful that is that 
the same God that spoke everything into existence and the same God that picked up dirt and made us wrote this book. He, these are his words. And so after we believe that, we start opening his word and we see that we're different. We see that we're set apart. And we see that we have a purpose. And so while the rest of the world that doesn't know him has to live in this kind of identity crisis of not knowing what your real purpose is, and and we fulfill that with a job, with money, um, with whatever it is, with food, with drugs, we fill that thing because we have an identity crisis. But we don't have to have an identity crisis when we find that God has a purpose for us, that we're created in his image, and all we have to do is believe that, and the rest is history. And so my prayer is is that if you don't know Jesus, don't leave here not knowing him. Don't leave here not knowing that you have a purpose that is much more than 80, 90 years of living here But we have a purpose that's eternal. It's something that's going to go beyond this life. And so all this money and everything else doesn't mean anything in the end. But what we do eternally does. And so my hope is is that when people see you, when people hear your name, when people hear you speak, is that you look like God. That you look like the God that created you, that you bear his image. And that's our greatest desire, is for someone to say, man, you look like Jesus. And so that's all I have for you this morning. But I hope that you consider that. I hope that you consider those questions, and I hope that you believe them. Because when you do, there's a lot of power in that. And when you do, on Sunday mornings when people walk into this building, walk into Sunday school classes, they will notice something's different. And they'll want it. Thank you all.